Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I hope you're reading through this with me. Uh, we started this a couple of months ago, and we are finishing up chapter 3 today, so you know exactly where we're going to be, and I've tried to challenge you each week. Listen, if we come on Sunday prepared and seeking to hear from God, we'll hear from God. But if we just come because it's Sunday morning and we're like, oh, I meant to, but I didn't read and I didn't pray and I didn't, we're going to come and we may be blessed, but not in the measure God can bless us. Listen, Ecclesiastes is a whopping 12 chapters. Go home and read it. Read 12 chapters of the Bible. Read the latter part of this book as we continue, and with the Lord's help, we will finish it if the Lord hasn't come back over the next month or so. We are looking at the laboratory of life. You know, life, well, let's be honest, life's hard. Life is unexpected. How many of you have your life all together? I am a walking, talking example of this message this morning. And as you know, as you can see, the PowerPoint is not running. That is not Philip's fault. That is not Jenny's fault. That is not Ryan's fault. That is Pastor Matt's fault. Because it is printed, loaded, and still on the thumb drive in the side of my computer. Because I am a fallible, messed up, non-together human that has life that often is just hard. You ever get in those seasons where there's so many more questions than answers? You know what I'm talking about? Solomon lived this and he was... He prayed for wisdom and God gave him wisdom. I, I get this question all the time. I feel guilty because I don't know this or I, I don't know exactly where I need to be and what I need to do and what, and I feel guilty. Well, yeah, we may not be praying, we may be, not be studying, but maybe we are. And, and Satan wants to beat us down and cause us to carry this weight that we cannot carry. This morning... As we look in Ecclesiastes. Now see, Jenny, you get to come sit with your husband. See, even when I mess up, I do something right. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Becky says usually that's when I do things right. It's when I mess up. I want to look at verses 15 through 22 in Ecclesiastes 3 on the cycle of life. As we continue on this laboratory of life, Andy and Pam, it's wonderful to see y'all together worshiping with us today. Jimmy, I didn't get to say it last week, but we're glad Jimmy's here. Back feeling better and getting stronger. And uh, Rhonda, it's good to see you and your family, and we continue to pray for your whole family. And so many of us facing issues and facing uh, uh, problems and things go on in life. Well, Solomon internalized it to the point that the Holy Spirit overwhelmed him and it poured out on these pages, you remember in chapter 1, it was just problem after problem and question after question. And he said, what profit does man have of anything he does under the sun? Apart from God, there is no profit. There is no joy. There is no happiness. There's no meaning. But in Christ Jesus, there's everything. We just sang. We just sang a song. That if we would grasp the depth of it, we would charge hell with a water pistol. We would go at it with all the strength of telling the world Jesus saves. If we would grasp these simple eight words, forever God is faithful, forever God is strong. Now, that pretty much answers all the questions we have, doesn't it? 
You say, no, it don't. Yes, it does. We just, we want a temporal answer. We want an earthly answer. Today, Solomon differentiates between that temporal and eternal. He talks about matters of birth and death, life and eternity, uh, uh, all the things that we seem to wonder about and become overwhelmed by. It really was a cool PowerPoint. The cycle of life. The world would tell you the cycle of life is you're born, but you're born coming from a different and earlier life. They say that General Patton believed when he was going through Italy and some of those places through Salerno and then pushing on toward uh, uh, the Arden Forest in the Battle of the Bulge and other places, that as he would walk out through there, he would say, I've been here. I've been here. Now, we all remember George C. Scott saying it when he played Patton, but Patton, and we got to go through his museum one time, and many believe, historians believe, Patton uh, believed in reincarnation. He believed he was with Alexander the Great, and he was with uh, the barbarians that come up and, and conquered Rome and many of those places, and that he had been a warrior in earlier life and that he would be a warrior again. There are those who teach karma. Y'all know me. Boy, if you ever want to get, as the wonderful theologian Merle Haggard said, on the fighting side of me, talk about karma in the realm of spiritual matters and try to apply it to the Christian life. I, I will wax eloquent on theology when it comes to the, taking Eastern mysticism words and try to overlay them with God's plan. We don't believe in karma. Okay, you hear me? We don't believe in karma any more than we believe saints of God get wings and become angels. Sounds pretty, not true. We do not believe in nirvana. We do not believe in reincarnation. We don't believe that if we really mess up bad, we become those flies that fly around a cow. If we're really good, we become a real beautiful butterfly, uh, butterfly or bird. And then we continue, listen, Y'all laugh, this is what Eastern mysticism believes. And the problem is we don't know enough of God's word, and so we take what we see on Facebook, and we take what we hear on TV, and we try to interlay that with God's word. Because all we know is Jonah was swallowed by a whale, Noah built an ark, Samuel prayed, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, and Jesus came to the earth. That's just about all we know because that's what we heard in Sunday school when we used to go. Oh me. So we feel like we've somehow reached the pinnacle. We don't need to learn anymore. We don't need to study anymore. We don't need to grow anymore. And so we become stagnant. I want you to notice with me in, in rehearsal of chapter 1, verse 9. The thing that has been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new? It hath been already of old time, which was before. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. That just sounds like a fatalist, doesn't it? It sounds like someone who has no hope and no pleasure in anything. And at this point in Solomon's life, that's where he was at. But then God speaks to him. And we see in chapter 3, we begin looking at this cycle of life in the fact that life is a vicious cycle without God. It's vicious. Now, have you ever heard terms as it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world? That you have to step on someone to climb the ladder? That it's a rat race and the rats are winning? 
Life's hard and then you die. Life is a vicious, vicious cycle apart from God. That's why people see no hope and no help. That's why they seek every other temporal, synthetic idea and, and solution to ease their pain or at least to just numb it. Man, I'm going to tell you something. Life's too precious to go through life numb. Life is a vicious cycle. Look in chapter 3, verse 15. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been. Now, he just said that in verse 9 of chapter 1. But now in chapter 3, verse 15, he says it, but he adds a postscript. That which has been is now, and that which is to be has already been And God requireth that which is past. God steps on the scene in this scripture. First of all, as we notice, as he keeps talking about nothing new under the sun, that which has been is now, that which hath been, uh, uh, which is to be, has already been. You see, life is a vicious cycle without God. All of us are born of Adam. All of us. Everybody. Everybody. Every nut job white supremacist. Every left wing tree hugging God denying liberal. Every Christ loving godly Indonesian. Every boy girl white, black, every single person that's ever been born on this earth, except for one, was born of Adam. Everybody. This whole gender, race, all that, it's, it's obscene is what it is. Because what happens is, when we buy into some of this stuff, and we try to elevate ourselves just a little bit, then there is no room for God. And we take the Bible completely out of the picture. But truth is, we're all born of Adam, and we're all subject to the physical laws of this earth. Physical laws. That which has been... Will is now, and that which is to come has already happened. It's just over and over and over. We know the, the physical laws. God created Adam, right? Now, remember I've told you this before, and we're going to see it again today. God's created man four ways. Four ways. This is cool. If you didn't write it down before, you ought to write this down. I didn't come up with this. I heard an old preacher say this 40 years ago. And he heard somebody say it 40 years before that. So he heard the whole deal is nothing new under the sun. God created man from dust, right? What was his name? Adam. And Adam is the father of all mankind. And then Adam, God looked at Adam just like any other person would look at a man and say, that's not good. It's not good that he should be alone. So I will make him a help that's perfected and, and, and wonderful to meet his needs and to help with him so that they become co-laborers in submission to one another to walk through life together. And so he took a rib out of man and he created woman. So first of all, God created man out of dust. Then he created a woman out of a man. And then he set in order the natural law that the world has perverted. And that is to procreate. Let me, let me ask you a logical question. I know it's Sunday morning and I know it's church and we're not to talk about this kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you, if church don't start talking about it and teaching our young people what's right and what's wrong... What is the logical conclusion to the homosexual lifestyle overwhelming that which God created? No children. 
No children, no adults. It's just a fact. That's logic. Take the Bible out of the picture. That's the way it is because God created Adam and Eve and then he said go multiply and cover the earth. And so they did. We have Cain and Abel and Seth and on and on and on and and then it goes all the way down and then it comes to a screeching halt with Noah and only eight get on the ark. God seals the ark but then out of that eight then comes the three something billion people that's on the face of the earth today. You see... We are born of Adam and we follow those physical laws. That's why the world wants to diminish the role of a man and diminish the role of a woman. Listen, women, you don't have to compete with a man. You are equal in God's eyes and in everything else. You don't have to be like a man. Be what God created you. Listen, we used to not have to say this, but I'm going to say it real clear. Young guys, men, you don't have to compete. You don't have to look like a woman or act like a woman. Be who God made you to be. You say, you ain't got to say that. You hadn't looked around lately. It reminds me of the famous words of, once again, another wonderful Bible scholar, Johnny Lee. Where you said all the cowboys was dressing up like Indians. Or Indians were dressing up like cowboys and the cowboys had leather and turquoise on. Some of you, Mike Kennedy, my chairman got that one. We're all messed up. You see, we bought into this world's ideas. We bought into Darwinism. We bought into secularism. We bought in that, hey, who needs God when we are who we are? We can create life in a test tube. We can clone our dogs. We can make whatever we want. I'm going to tell you something. No man can usurp the physical laws. And that is the physical limitations we face. Somebody ever ask you how you're doing and you lied and said, I'm I'm doing all right. How you doing? Just because that's the way we talk. But here's the problem. We say, how you doing? We really don't want to hear what they got to say. Because somebody can be real honest with you. Well, I'm not doing real good today. And you're like, oh, man, why did I ask them that? Y'all? Yeah, yeah. I, I've been there. How you doing? And I think, why did I just say that? And then I stand there. And then God says, you ask. Act like you care. And now care. Some days I don't feel the best in the world. Every day of 53, years, 53 and a half years of life, some days feels heavy. So oh, you're young. I may be to you, but I'm not as young as I used to be. And my beautiful bride that sang this morning, she'll be 50 a week from tomorrow. She's not in here. She's in the nursery. Trying to catch some of that former youth of keeping babies physical limitations listen we can't do anything above that what did Jesus do Jesus walked on the water passed out of their midst took five loaves two fish fed five thousand God is above physical law because of who he is he's God but we are in this vicious cycle and there is no cream there is no pill there is no amount of exercise that can outrun it we're born of Adam and we die of the Adamic sin in scripture says in the fact that Adam sinned poof and there it was in the fact that Adam sinned sin passed upon all mankind whoever went and got it thank you see how servant spirit Now, I'm not joking now. That's just servant spirit. I thank God for that. In Adam, all sin, you can't outrun it. Let me ask you something. Have you ever heard someone say, when when asked, are they going to heaven? They say, yeah, I believe I'm going to heaven. 
So why do you believe that? What is the, the number one topic people give for why they believe they're going to heaven? I wish I could say because they've placed their faith and hope in Jesus Christ. That's not the number one answer. Because what, Eric? Because I'm a good person. Because I take care of my family and I work hard. What else? Anybody else say anything else? Huh? Go to church. I go to church. I'm there every time the door's open. I've been baptized. Matter of fact, I've been baptized in four different denominations. I'm planning on getting two or three more before I leave. Just to cover my bases. Y'all think I'm joking. All kinds of things. I got one answer for that. If you can be good enough, if you can be smart enough, if you can give enough, if you can attend enough, if you can join enough, why Jesus die? Because the fact that death passes upon all of us. This is one of my favorite things that, that just jumps out when, when the greatest... The greatest, I think, one hour of, of listening in my life was sitting under Dr. Phillips, Dr. John Phillips, when he gave his, his summary commentary on the book of Genesis. He said, Genesis, the name is almost a misnomer because it means beginning. He said, and it starts with creation. But it ends with a coffin. And he goes over and over and over. He said, you know, God created Adam, and then he created Eve, and then Adam and Eve had children, and there was the garden. He said, but then we see, and Adam died, and Eve died, and Abel died, and Seth died, and Abraham died, and Isaac died, and Rachel died. Joseph died. He said the book begins with creation, but it ends with a coffin. The book that is bright and, and we base all of our Christian worldview on. God, then everything else. God created. But then it ends with death. Why? Because Adam sinned. He said, look, you can have it all. You tell a kid, you tell a child, you tell a four-year-old child, this whole room being empty, and you walk in that door, every seat in the house is open. Every single one of them. You say, you sit in any chair you want. Any chair. I don't care. You can sit in the front row chair, you can sit in the back row chair. You can even lay across three chairs if you want to. Just don't go up there and sit by that piano. Where are they going? You know why kids throw fits in Walmart? Some of it's because mom and daddy don't own a belt. But ultimately, it's because they're born in sin. Your sweet, precious, beautiful, prettiest baby that's ever been born was born in sin. Every single one of them. No one avoids Adamic sin. No one. You can cryo-freeze them. One of the greatest baseball players and true American hero, Ted Williams. When he died, probably the greatest batter of all time. We don't know because his records couldn't reflect it because he was flying war missions during World War II and Korea. He would leave the major leagues, go back, get in a fighter plane, and go fight. He didn't care about records. He cared about freedom. But when he died, his kids were jacked up. I mean jacked up. Up. They fought over him to the point they wanted to have him cry freeze, but they couldn't even agree on that. And so one of them got his head and froze it, and the other one got his body. That's truth. He's still dead. He's still dead. Am I right? 
No one can avoid it. And no one can change it. You can't change it. You can't outrun it. You can't loop around it. You can't dig under it. You can't fly above it. Death is certain because the wages of sin is death. Now all of you that that scares to death, just hang on just a minute. And if it don't scare you, even if you're safe, if it don't cause some reverential fear, then you've got a problem. If you sing glorify thy name and it's just words and it's not the realization of how helpless and hopeless you are without the holiness of God, then you've got a problem. You see, life is it's just this vicious cycle. You ever feel like you're just living in Groundhog Day? I mean, you get up, and it's like, in the famous words of another baseball player, it's just deja vu all over again. Just good grief, wasn't I just here? Didn't I just fill my car up with gas? Didn't I just spend $387.32 at Walmart? Didn't, I mean, didn't we just buy three gallons of milk? Didn't I just pay this water bill? Didn't, didn't we just buy a washing machine? I mean, didn't I just have the oil changed? Did, 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 didn't I take my vitamins? Didn't what is the deal here? Listen, no one can change the fact that you were born of the Adamic lineage and in that brings death. Life is a vicious cycle without God. But then, life can be victorious in Christ. Life can be victorious. Look what he says. That which has been is now, and that which is to be has already been. And God requireth that which is past. God did not wince. God did not wink. God did not turn. God did not forget, and nor does he forget. God said because of that sin, there must be a recompense. But because of his love, he sent his son. Jesus, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify thy name in all the earth. Jesus, that name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. And there is no other name. There is no other name that at the name just spoken, Satan and his angels flee. Amen? That's our Savior. Listen, somewhere, somehow, somebody ought to get excited about who their Jesus is. Life can be victorious. We want to be victorious on the ball field. We want to be victorious on the job. We want to be victorious uh, 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 playing Fortnite. We want to be victorious in everything else in life. But we're not worried about living the victorious life that Christ has set for us. First of all, he was born incorruptible. He passes outside. The Bible says that in Adam all die, but then there's the last Adam, Jesus. And when he says the last Adam, he said he was a man just as we are, but he passed outside of Adam's lineage. We see that because he was bigger than Adam. You know, over and over and over, Solomon talks about that which is under the sun, that which is under the world, that which is under the heavens. But Jesus, God in the flesh, is bigger than Adam in that he is above the heavens. When God spoke the world into existence, Jesus was. When God created man in this is what the scripture says. Let us make man in our image. Now you are not three-dimensional. You have one image. And you are created in the image 
of a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, eternal, above the heavens. Bigger than Adam. Your Savior is bigger than the world. Your, listen, your Savior, Jesus Christ, and if He's not your Savior, the one who can save you from your sin and deliver you from death, hell, and the grave, He is bigger than all. God is bigger than the, he's bigger than, or the, boom, somebody watch VeggieTales, would be my youth pastor, it wouldn't hurt you to watch it, the sad thing is, I've known some seven or eight year olds that had better theology watching VeggieTales than some adults that attended church business meetings. He is bigger than Godzilla. He's bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than the IRS. God's bigger than the government. God's bigger than Syria. God is bigger than your problem. Because he is above the heavens. The Bible says he humbled himself. Philippians 2. And was made lower than the angels. And took on the robe. Of flesh. He's better. He's not just bigger, he's better because he's above the world. He's a, Adam, because of Adam, sin passed upon all mankind, and that's why your washing machine breaks. That's why you got to buy new vehicles. Amen, Tommy. Amen. I kept selling. That's why we need new stuff because nothing lasts forever here. Jesus said, but if you'll trust me, I'll give you something that moths cannot eat and rust cannot corrupt. Last forever. Because Jesus is above the world. He's above it. He's above all the sin nature that passed upon all mankind. When God judges the world in its finality, and Wednesday night's pretty cool if you've not been to it. Wednesday nights, listen, we're getting toward the end of the tribulation. We're fixing to head into the millennial reign. But when it all comes to a screeching halt, the Bible says that the current heavens and earth will pass away with a fervent heat, God's judgment raining down upon it. But then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And those who have placed their faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ, who is better than Adam and above this world, will be living in that eternal bliss that is glory. He's better. He's bigger. And he lived and died without sin. I, I don't know about you, I can't imagine going an hour without sin. I think even when I sleep, Sometimes I fail the grace of God because I am worthless and hopeless apart from Him. Death without sin. He died a death that was non-deserving. I want you to understand. Everyone, everyone deserves death. Please don't teach your children anything different. There is no one innocent. Now, there are the saved and the safe. Those who have not reached that point of understanding that dies younger than the point that they understand the depth and severity and the consequence of sin and, and the vicarious death and the uh, atoning blood of Jesus Christ. If they die before that, they're safe in the arms of the Lord. But understand, the death that Christ died was non-deserving. He didn't deserve it. It was substitutionary. I don't know about you, but it still just blesses the hound out of me to eat with somebody and say, hey, I got it today. Sometimes it blesses me to do it to someone else. You know when I really love to do it for somebody else is when I get to be with my parents and we go eat or something and, and daddy won't start and I say, I've already paid it. No, and to be able to do that back for that. Well, listen, there is no amount 
that I can give to pay what Jesus paid for us. I love my children. Man, I would do just about anything, but I can't do everything. Especially one thing. I cannot save them. I cannot deliver them, even in temporal things. I've got to give it to God. Parents, stop. Stop with the idea of teaching your kids that you are their ultimate safety net. Yes, you are their their safety net, but they need to hear you pray to your God for them. To realize there is a God above you. That you need help. They need to see the transparency that you are a flawed human being apart from Jesus Christ. I... It kills me sometimes when people venerate and put pastors and clergy and religious leaders and others, even godly grandparents and parents, on a pedestal. Because they'll let you down. They'll let you down. Death without sin, non-deserving, substitutionary, and then risen from the grave. Do you understand what Jesus did here? We're living in this vicious cycle, but he was victorious over it. Think about this. You were not hatched. You were born. Amen? Right? You were born of your parents. Whether you knew them or not, you were born of your parents. But get this. Jesus wasn't born like you was. He broke the cycle in birth. God created man from dust. God created woman from man. God created man from man and woman. And in the fourth way, God came and was born of just a woman. The virgin birth. Science can't explain it. They don't have no answer for it. This is where you've got to step out in faith and believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. He broke the vicious cycle. He said, listen, I am the incorruptible seed. You are the corruptible seed. I will be born without sin and live without sin and die without sin. So that I can break the vicious cycle of death. Now get this. He broke the cycle of birth. But then he broke the cycle of death. The man who did not deserve to die. People worry about how they're buried. And people worry about this. And they don't want to be underground. They feel like they're suffocating. I always laugh at that. I'm going to just be real honest with you. There's one thing about it. When you gone, ain't nothing you can do about it. Becky used to always tell me, whatever you do, if you outlive me, don't you have my funeral. Don't, do not carry me to so-and-so funeral home. It's not down here, it's some, back home. Don't you take me to that old, ragged, old house where all of our, everybody, don't you. He, she said, if you do, I'll come back and haunt you. And you know what I told her? I said, when you're dead, ain't nothing you can do about it. Now, I'm not going to take her there, but I don't want her to ever feel at ease with it, you know. <laughs> y'all don't laugh at the good jokes. Y'all laugh when I'm being mean. I don't, y'all, y'all rough crowd, rough crowd. Listen, he broke the cycle of death. He said, listen, no one else can do it. You can't, even Lazarus didn't raise himself from the dead. Jesus raised him. Up from the grave, he arose. With a what? A mighty triumph over his foes. He arose the victor of the dark domain. And he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Life can be victorious. 
And then I want you to notice the consequences of the cycle. If we just say, you know, why fight it? It is what it is. This is what happens. Moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment, that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. Sounds like a bunch of excuses not to go to church. Church full of hypocrites. Well, if they're at church, they're worshiping God, they're closer to God than you are, so. Amen? Grocery stores full of hypocrites too, but I still like to get groceries. Moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment. Wickedness was there in the place of righteousness. That iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. My daddy said there's a time and a place for everything. There wasn't going to be no singing at the table. You didn't wear a hat at the table. You wore shoes at the table. There was a strict order of etiquette when you sat down at the table. Now we, we don't even eat at a table. Amen. I said in my heart, God will judge it. There's a time and a place for every purpose and work. I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Does he say that man and beast are the same? No, but that we've got the same ending. We're all going to die. Even one thing befalleth them as one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. All go unto one place, all are the dust, and all turn to dust again. Who knows the spirit of man that goes upward, the spirit of the beast that goes downward to the earth? Listen. The consequences of the cycle. Number one, sin is real. And God says there's payment now and there will be payment later. He said, I saw, look, look again. He said, I saw under the sun the place of judgment. That wickedness was there in the place of righteousness. That iniquity was there. He said that everything is convoluted in this world, but God's going to judge it. There's going to be payment even now. And there will be a payment later. He said, who knows what's going to happen there. But the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of animals downward that all die. You see, we need to understand from this scripture, God will judge. You ever felt like you got away with something? That your daddy never found out? Your mama didn't know? Chances are, if they never said anything, it's not because they didn't know. It's just because it hurt them so bad they didn't know what to say. The thing of it is, there's no sin and no flaw in your character hidden in any closet that has kept secret from God. God knows. And God will judge in His time. And God will judge in his way. You say, oh, but God, can you do this? Can you do this? God said, I'm going to do it my way in my time. Now, if we have any spiritual smarts about us at all, that would scare us. That would scare us. We've been talking on Wednesday nights. We went through the seven seals and we just finished up the seven trumpets and Going into the seven bowls, listen, in the fourth seal, one-fourth of the entire world's population will die with one, one fell swoop. And then with the second woe in the trumpets, I believe the sixth trumpet, a third of the world. So by the time the fourth dies and now the third dies, and this is over just a span of a year or so, half the world's population will be gone. They will die in just that moment. Church, I'm here to tell you, if you're living under the false assumption that God just wants you to be happy in your sin, 
That's contrary to the word of God, and it's not true. God wants you to be happy in Jesus. And once again, to quote a wonderful biblical hymn, and to do so, there is no other way but to trust and obey. Real trust does obey. A real trust in the Lord says, yes, Lord. You're the master of my life. You will judge me. May I stand in the righteousness of Christ. And so what does he say in verse 22? Do we go through life, woe is me. Oh, I'm going to die one day. Oh, I'm Joe, dread it. I've been through those times. I've been through where where my mortality just seemed to overwhelm me and I I couldn't get my mind off some of that stuff and Satan would throw it up at any moment and I'd fear wrecks and I'd fear all this other stuff. And I can't tell you that all goes away and, and never comes back. But what I can tell you is God means for us to enjoy our life in Christ. Enjoy our life in Christ. We ought to sing gloriously every Sunday whether we feel like it or not, some of the greatest singing ever was not on American Idol. And it wasn't on the voice. It come out of jails and prison and suffering of the saints over the thousands of years. What happened when the angel came and set Paul and Silas loose? What were they doing? Singing. Peter must not have been able to sing. Because Peter's doing the same thing he did in the garden when they come set him loose. What was he doing? Sleeping. Hey, that's peace. Rebellious sleep in the garden, perfect peace in prison. Enjoy life, verse 22. Wherefore I perceive, I, I, I'm, he said, I'm starting to get this. It's, I, I'm starting to understand that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works. That doesn't mean be proud of your sin, but you ought to be in a place to where your works of righteousness, which the Lord is blessing, your fruits of what God has done in your life, you should rejoice in them. For that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? Live by promise, not policies. Not by procedures, not even by process, but by promise. God has promised us He would never leave us nor forsake us. Till when? To the end of the age. He said, I'm there. I will comfort you. I will give you peace that goes beyond understanding. I will not leave you comfortless. There's hope, there's joy, there's strength, there's power in everything when you're in Christ. Live by promise. The Bible's full of God's promises. Read them. Believe them. Enjoy them. Live by promise, not policies. Life can't be explained. You can't explain everything. Stop trying to. People come to me all the time. Once again, I'm going to refer Wednesday night. Wednesday night was really good. I had about three questions all at one time. I had a whoa on this one, whoa, all right, let's take this. But here's the, here's the true answer to all. I don't know all of it. I have no earthly idea, the full scope. I can tell you what the Bible says. I can tell you what commentators say. I can tell you what I have read and what I believe. But I can't tell you I know it all. I can't. But isn't that kind of fun sometimes when you can't explain it? Has God ever done anything in your life and you can't explain it? I look at some of you men and who you married. There is no explanation for that. I mean, you way out kicked your coverage. Life can't be explained. Life must be experienced. Stop living in a shell and step out and enjoy what God has given you. Go on a mission trip. Get on a plane. Do something to experience the fullness of who God is. Teach a Sunday school class. He said, try me and see that I'm good. Life must be experienced. Because listen, there's there's two choices. You can enjoy or endure. 
And life's miserable just enduring. They come to the instrument. Enjoy or endure, what will it be? There's going to be a payday someday. We're all going to stand accountable for what we've done and who we have believed in and who we didn't. I want to ask you, are you going to enjoy life? Now, I'm not talking about running with the boys. I'm not talking about drunk parties with a girl. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about enjoying the fullness of who Christ is in your life. When Christ comes first and foremost in everything, in your work, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your finances, in your recreation, in your uh, uh, vocation, everything in your life, when Christ comes first, you can enjoy even that which seems to be monotonous, tedious, and void of any joy in the face of the world. Enjoy or endure. Can I tell you, about a week or so ago, I was living with some doubt, and confusion, and questions, and dread. I told you about some of that. And I, I just said out loud, I said, God, I am tired of Satan stealing my joy. These are joy stealers. Satan is trying to kill and steal the joy that you've given me. Lord, I pray with your power, I want to take it back. I want to enjoy the joy of being a son, to be a brother, to be a husband, to be a father, to be a friend, to be a pastor, to be a coach, to be an American, to be a sportsman, to be a gearhead. Whatever I do, may I do it with all my might, may I do it in the will of God, and may I do it with the joy of the Lord. How many of you are missing the joy? Tired of living without joy. You've become harsh. You've become bitter. You've become doubtful and dreadful. You've become fearing and withdrawn. And it's time to stand before God and say, I, in the power of the one who broke the cycle, broke the chains of birth, death, hell, and the grave, I claim your victory. I refuse to live in the vicious cycle. But may I live in the victory that is Jesus Christ. You need to come rededicate your life. You need to come join. You need to be baptized. But hear me. If you're lost here today and you've convinced everybody that the Holy Spirit's convicting you, that you'll die and go to hell without Christ. Come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus. May we glorify his name in our acts of praise and surrender during this time of invitation and dedication right now. Stand and come.